Jolie Grazia's Head of Beauty, and I want to let you know about our brilliant new beauty club. Subscribe from just $7.99 a month for a yearly beauty box worth over £150, monthly discounts and amazing online events. That's at members.graziadaily.co.uk and you get your fortnightly Grazia copy thrown in too, as well as access to all of our issues on our app. Hello and welcome to this episode of Grazia Beauty Life Lessons with me, Jolie Walker. So today's guest is Anna Lay, founder of Vida Glow. She delves into her 360 skincare regime. So I'm a real advocate for the bi-directional approach to skincare. So topicals with ingestibles, with nutrition and a good diet. Gives us the inside scoop on looking after our skin in the sun. All of that damage that we've done to our skin in those younger years actually begins to show at my age now, you know, from 30 to 35. And reveals her top nail care tips. Go easy on treatments like shellac and acrylic nails. Hello and welcome. How are you today? Hi, I'm well. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. Thank you very much for coming on. I'm very excited to get uh, stuck into all of your best beauty advice. But first, I want to know about your kind of beauty style in general. So what is your beauty vibe? Is it like a beauty cupboard organized to a T? Is it total chaos? Is it somewhere in between? Oh, look, I'm a type A Virgo. So I would say that I'm pretty organized. And uh, like one of my, you know, guilty pleasures is reorganizing all my cabinets and all my beauty products. And um, so I always do go back to like my favorite products and I get experimental occasionally. But yeah, I'm a creature of habit. I like everything really organized, everything streamlined. Yeah, and I, I do go back to the old favorites, I have to say. Oh, but that's what they're there for. The tried and tested. We know they work. We go back time and time again. But organization, that sounds fabulous to me. Um, Okay, perfect. Let's get stuck into your five pieces of advice then. And let's kick things off with skincare. So tell me, what is your best piece of skincare advice? I would say that my best piece of advice for skincare is to treat your skin, not just as the outer layer that you can see and the surface layer of the skin, but your skin as a whole. I think your skin is your your skin is your largest organ and I like to explain to people that the layer of the skin where most traditional skincare operates makes up about three percent of the total skin Um, whereas ingestible beauty products and what I what I work with in with beta glow and what I'm really passionate about is really teaching that you know skincare really begins on a cellular level and that other 97% of skin isn't really targeted by skincare the traditional topical skincare products not that they're not effective I mean I'm I'm a beauty product junkie and I love using beauty products, but I think treating your skin as a whole. So I'm a real advocate for the bi-directional approach to skincare. So topicals with ingestibles, with nutrition and a good diet with no healthy fats and oils and things like that are really important to address all layers of the skin. Um, and that really delivers the best results for whatever your skincare needs are um, and not doing things in isolation, you know? That's amazing as well. 95, sorry, 97%. 97% of your skin. So you, you know, you have your epidermal layer on the top and then you have your dermis and then you have your subcutis or your hypodermis, which is the, the inner layers of the skin. And I think that there's so much damage that is done to the skin is done in your younger years show up much later. So I think looking at the skin as an organ, as opposed to just what you know makeup or skincare products we put on the top layer is really important to get the best skincare results 
Yeah, absolutely. And what kind of skincare results can you get from sticking to a routine like that, going down the route of ingestible beauty? What could you expect and how long would you say it takes as well? Well, I think, you know, the most important thing with ingestibles is consistency. So consistency is key to get results. It's the single most important thing. You can't dibble dabble and have one on a Monday and one on a Thursday and expect to see results. You really need to be consistent. But the results are actually amazing and they come in a really short amount of time. So for products like collagen, for example, if you get a really good quality, low molecule weight collagen peptide powder, it's really important to look at where's your collagen source from, what is the molecule weight of the product, how does it work, because collagen is is a product that is very different uh, in, in the way that it works. You put it into your water, for example, and it passes the lining of the stomach intact and it's absorbed and distributed by the bloodstream. So it actually travels through tiny blood vessels to that you know, collagen matrix where it stimulates the fibroblast proliferations, which are the cells responsible for collagen production in the body. So getting one that's a very low molecule weight that's well-sourced is incredibly important. The results in terms of all of our products, whether it's radiance, for example, that targets pigmentation or hyaluronic acid, which is for skin hydration or collagen, all the clinical studies are done between 30 to 90 days. If you are consistent, you see results in 30 days. Uh, and But consistency is key. Because I've taken the original before and just popped it in smoothies. And I think mine was even less than 30 days. I had a real visible improvement um, in just kind of glow and health and kind of bounce of the skin. And like you say, you just have to be consistent. But it's like any kind of skincare routine. You're going to have the results. You can't just apply SPF once a week and expect to get the results that you want from it. You have to be consistent. So one of my favorite ways to take collagen is actually in water. So having it in plain water. So if you, the original is our best selling flavor and it's tasteless and odorless. It doesn't have a smell to it. But if you have more sensitive taste buds, then try one of the flavored blends. But the reason that I like to take it in water is that when you're having a smoothie, you've got chia seeds and banana and oat milk and all this other stuff in there. And those ingredients are getting broken down by the digestive system. And we want collagen to be absorbed and distributed by the bloodstream. So having it in water is a really effective way to get results faster. Okay. So I need to start with the smoothies, go straight for the water. Like that makes total sense as well. You're getting all of the goodness straight away in a hit rather than diluting it with other food sources that your body needs to process. Okay. Noted. I shall. And I know we touched a little bit on uh, SPF there. Obviously you're out in Australia. SPF has just always been a mainstay from quite a young age in the skincare routine. When did you start kind of wearing SPF daily? Oh, look, I'm I'm ashamed to say that, you know, back in the day of being, you know, in high school or in my early 20s, I used to sunbake and put baby oil on my skin. I mean, it's just horrendous to think about how much tanning I did in my younger years. But now, like today, I mean, I'm in Sydney, it's an overcast day. I don't leave the house without a 50 SPF. I think that SPS is probably the most important skincare uh, step in any person's routine, obviously because of skin cancers, melanomas, but just the sheer damage that the sun does to your skin. And it is important, obviously, to get vitamin D and to get some sort of sunlight, but having that piece of strictness, I suppose, in your skincare routine is always applying an SPF and not a makeup SPF, a proper SPF, you know. So after your moisturizer, putting on a 50 plus and then adding a CC cream or a foundation or anything else that may include SPF, but having a really good quality SPF 
is important um, and it's something that I, it's just for me, it's a non-negotiable. I'm also quite tanned naturally in my skin. I've got Brazilian heritage. I have three young children, so I'm always out in the sun. It's Sydney summer at the moment. So I get a lot of incidental sun and it's amazing being pregnant now again just how quickly, you know, melasma pigmentation or pigmentation shows up on your skin and all of that damage that we've done to our skin in those younger years actually begins to show at my age now, you know, from 30 to 35. So the the more, I suppose, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, there wasn't this, you know, we used to have this ad in Australia that was like there's nothing healthy about a tan, but maybe it's because of the rise of social media, the actual information that we're presented with in terms of how important sunscreen is and SPF is, um, is just so readily available. And and the sooner that we teach young men and women that, teenagers that, the better, because that's really the best way to preserve your skin's health. Um, And, you know, your skin is the biggest indicator of your age and your lifestyle. So remembering to put SPF on the top of your ears, on the back of your hands, on your neck, when you're driving, um, wearing a hat, you know, wearing sunglasses, having an SPF lip balm. I mean, I'm, I'm really quite strict about the whole thing. So you're so good though, so right, especially being in Australia. I hadn't even thought about like tops of ears and stuff. You have to be hyper-conscious when you're out and about all the time with the sun that you're getting. Um, and what was that ad again that you had growing up? No tan is a healthy tan. There's nothing healthy about a tan. That was the... There's nothing that healthy the, about a tan. Time. That was the tagline. Yeah. And actually I get mm. asked by friends a lot, well, I've got SPF in my foundation. Does that count? But the amount of foundation that you would have to apply to get that SPF, you just be, have a total mask on. So like two fingers worth, isn't it? It's a kind of standard, maybe even more so over there. And to have that foundation on would be a total mask. So like you say, layer underneath always an SPF 50 all the way. Okay, amazing. Let's go into hair then. What was your best piece of hair care advice? So I believe that you should just wash your hair whenever it feels dirty. So I wash my hair every day, which I know sounds bonkers, but if I didn't, my scalp would be so oily and it would be uncomfortable. I look like I can fry chips in my hair by the end of the day. And so for me, I wash it every day. And there's a lot of myths about shampooing, but it's really important to keep the scalp clean and healthy. When you shampoo, you really rid your scalp of any product buildup of any bacteria which is left on the scalp and that can cause inflammation inside the hair follicle, for example, So, which can lead to you know more serious concerns like hair loss in extreme cases, for example. So a healthy scalp is the most in- important aspect of your hair care and your hair grows from the follicles in your scalp. So the only part of your hair that is actually alive is yeah, alive. hair on your scalp. So try not to stretch out your, your washing out by days or weeks because you think that that might be better for your hair. I don't, I have really healthy, shiny hair and I wash my hair every day. If you're using the right products and you know, I, I really do believe that going and investing in seeing a hair professional and being advised on what products are good for you and your specific needs and so that getting that professional to guide you and, some, and you know, it can take a couple of, of different types of shampoos to work out what's better for your hair and the routine that will work best for you. But once you have the correct products for your hair, 
uh, it's a game changer. You know, someone with peroxide blonde hair is going to have very different hair care products than someone like me with very dark natural hair color. That's such a really great and simple piece of advice, but it's so true. I think for probably maybe as far as 10 years ago, it's like stretch out your hair for as long as you can. Don't wash your hair so regularly. And I speak to experts all the time and they're like, that is not true. Like you say, it's absolute scalp health and you cleanse your scalp as you would your face. Like if your face felt dirty and had product build up on it, you would want to cleanse that to be able to have as healthy skin as possible. And exactly the same goes to your scalp. Very good piece of advice. What are your kind of go-to products? I don't know if you have, we have similar ones over here, if it's any Aussie home brands, but what are your go-tos every day? Well, I mean, I, I love Karastas. I think there's, they have an oily shampoo. Uh, it comes in a green bottle that I use uh, for my, for my shampoo. And then I think it's the Genesis, which is just the fortifying conditioner. Um, and I use the Aveda uh, spray before I blow dry my hair for a bit of heat protection. Uh, and occasionally I'll use an, an oil, but because I wash my hair so frequently, I just keep it really simple. It's usually just a shampoo and conditioner, but it is something I'm particularly interested in. And without giving away too much, I am formulating hair care at the moment. Oh, exciting. Hello, I'm Jolie Grazia's Head of Beauty, and I would love to invite you to become part of our Grazia Beauty Club. So this is our members platform, giving you tons of exclusive access and content, such as monthly beauty discounts and digital masterclasses with industry experts like Lisa Eldridge and Jamie Genevieve. You get an annual curated beauty box with products worth over £150, and you'll also get the print version of Grazia delivered straight to your doorstep, as well as access to all current and archive issues on the Grazia app. So come join the club and find out more at members.graziadaily.co.uk. Amazing. Let's go on to nails then and talk about nails and nail care. What is your best piece of advice? I would say go easy on treatments like shellac and acrylic nails. Uh, The more you use abrasive tools, drills, the more likely you are to weaken your nail bed and to break down the nail. If you have weak soft nails um, that bend easily when you press them down on the tips and you need to strengthen them. You know, drinking collagen is a really good way to strengthen the nail bed and strengthen the structure of of the nail. When people start taking marine collagen, one of the first benefits that they usually say is that my nails are really harder, they're growing faster, they look glossier, they feel stronger. And a lot of people actually complain that they grow too fast. I mean, it can be a little bit annoying when you're having to, um, you know, get your nails done more often because it is growing. But I think, you know, if you, for me, another thing, I mean, you can see I like to wear a nude nail, like use a colour that suits you. And the reason that I like to go for a nude is because even though I do have natural healthy nails, I am a biter. So I love red nails. But if I see a chip on a nail, I will bite them. I am exactly the same. No, exactly the same. I see one chip and I'm like, you know, on the transport and I know I'm not going to get my nails done till tomorrow, well, then I'll bite them all off. So for me, I'm better off going for a nude or a colour that camouflages the chip like a neutral. I love OPI, uh, keep it in keep it in neutral, put it in neutral, put it, put it in neutral. Um, that's what I'm wearing right now. And then if there is a chip, it doesn't bother me as much and it's not as offensive. And so then I tend not to bite as much. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. Although I do kind of wear like gels or shellacs, 
see the tiniest, tiniest break in a, and I just have to rip them all off, which is so bad for your nails. It's so bad, but going for that kind of lighter, yeah, nude shade, I'm with you on that. And again, like you say, an inside out approach for nails is going to benefit everything, nails, hair, skin. So it's really a kind of 360 beauty approach. Amazing. Let's move on to treatments then and say your best piece of advice when it comes to treatments. Okay, so I'm I feel quite strongly about this one and that is that less is more. You know, I think we overtreat our skin with too many harsh treatments and active topicals and people are causing unnecessary trauma to the skin by doing too much and it's creating damage to the skin barrier and it's causing sensitivity in skin. So for me I like to I love having a facial. It's one of my I would say, uh, self-care things that I do. You know, I really love having a facial, but I'll have a facial and a treatment every four to six weeks, which is around the time that skin cells naturally turn over. And I like a light facial. I use um, Omnilux because it assists with the natural renewal cycle of my skin and it leaves it a natural, a healthy glow. But really look at things like, do you really need laser resurfacing? Do you need skin needling? Do you need to have a vampire facial? Like, do you need to have all these really, you know, strong, harsh, abrasive procedures for your skin? I mean, some people do, and and if you are under the right advice, then you know you can go down that path. But I think that we are really causing a lot of unnecessary traumas to our skin. I think the same can be said in skincare as well. I know it's something when I first got into the industry a long time ago, I was very overexcited and I would throw everything on my skin. And I have sensitive skin and I oversensitized it. I have rosacea that completely flared up. Um, and we think we need all these things. And then if a problem appears like rosacea, you want to find a quick answer. So you're like, okay, I need to try more. I need to try this. I need to try this treatment. When actually stripping things back, for me has always been the best course. If I kind of have a breakout or any kind of skin disruption, it's stripping things way back, going back to basics, starting again, focusing on skin barrier as a kind of, you know, first and foremost healthy skin element, and then building in those kind of more kind of stronger ingredients. And like you say, the same goes for treatments. And I guess in a world of TikTok and Instagram, seeing a vampire facial, might be very like, oh, what's that? And intriguing. And then you read up about it and read who's had it and whatnot. But I think that's just a really great piece of advice to scale things back and to, you know, be analyzed. Like, do I actually need this or am I, you know, just doing it because I'm seeing it on Instagram, seeing it trending? Yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, I think that people we we focus so much on stripping rather than nourishing our skin, you know, like using a really great moisturiser or a great oil or putting nutrients back into our skin as opposed to everything being these harsh actives. Um, and it's okay to use, it's great to use actives. I mean, I like actives, but you don't need an AHA and a retinol and a vitamin C and, you know, a pink, like if it's making your skin go bright red, is it something that you really need and how often are you going to be using it? You know, a lot of people are using prescription retinoids and I look at them and I'm like, but you don't need a prescription Obviously, they're an amazing product when you need them, but if it's causing your skin to take, is it causing more sensitivity to the sun? Is it making your skincare or your sunscreen sting? And and the average woman has a 12-step 
skincare routine, which is madness to me. That is you wild. Know? Is that just 12 it's steps? Wild. 12 steps. And I think we need to just bring it back to basic, have that less is more approach. And and I, I believe that even goes with makeup as well, you know, just pair it back. It's also a lot more cost effective as well. Like if you're spending money on a 12 set skincare routine is very expensive and you could scale things back and invest that money in products that, you know, are more multi-purpose and they're formulated to have those multi-purpose benefits rather than, I think potentially different products from different brands clashing as well can, um, you know, potentially cause sensitivity and issues. Yeah, exactly. A great piece of advice. Um, Okay, let's move on to your fifth piece of advice and talk about self-care then. What is your best piece of advice when it comes to self-care? You've already mentioned facials as well. Yeah, look, I think for me it's important to get to know yourself. So I really think that we need to be self-aware enough to know when we're not handling our daily life and when things are beginning to overwhelm us. And I know that whenever I get teary about nothing or I find myself getting short with my kids, I'm a little bit overwhelmed. That's when I need to step back and being aware of those moods, I guess, or fluctuations in the moods is really important. You know, and additionally, I feel like we need to also take the pressure off ourselves. This notion of self-care can sometimes be so counterintuitive. I think we're bombarded with self-care and rest and, you know, all of this. And I think that it's important to be aware of it, but also it can make you feel like you're letting yourself down. You know, people tell me that I need to prioritize rest and that I need to look after myself. And as good as that sounds, it's not my reality. I have a two, a three-year-old, a four-year-old and a five-year-old. <laughs> I'm pregnant with my fourth child. I I own a growing, you know, beauty brand. We have 60 staff. Getting a lot of rest isn't really accessible to me right now. You know, last night my, my two little ones slept, but my five-year-old came into my bed at midnight and then slept in the middle and then kicked me all night. And, you know, I had to get up and do school lunches and get do three different drop-offs and then get to the office and then pick them up and then come back. And at 6 p.m. here in Sydney and at 7 a.m., for you guys to get back to do this. So I feel like we need to be realistic of what's possible for us because putting a lot of pressure to take care of ourselves and our, um, you know, self-care can then really add to the stress of just like another thing that you need to do. So, yeah, for me, I have my facials booked in every four to six weeks. You know, I love to go for a walk outside. I feel like nothing's better than a good walk in fresh air by yourself when you can, you know, um, and, and but yeah, like, you know, for me, sleep has not been a huge reality for the last six years. Cause I've either been pregnant or breastfeeding with newborns or both. And now I've got toddlers and, you know, no one tells everyone worries about newborn sleep, but toddler sleep is just as complex. <laughs> so yeah, just if self-care, if you can prioritize it, then I think that that's great and definitely do it. But if you can't, don't feel guilty about it. You know, just be kind to yourself about what you can actually fit into your day is, is something that's really important. I think that's a brilliant piece of advice. And just going easier on yourself, like that is a form of self-care, not thinking that you have to wake up and do 20 minutes of meditation or whatever it may be when it doesn't fit into your routine and just taking moments of self-care when you can, but not feeling like if I'm not doing this, I'm not 
you know, giving myself all that I can because that is pressure and then that is stressful at the end of the day. absolutely. Absolutely. And there's little pockets of self-care that you carve yourself out. You're quite good at getting your facials kind of booked in advance. You know, you've got those to look forward to, which I guess is, is nice to get to look forward to those moments as well. Yeah. And like booking in, you know, a pregnancy massage or, you know, if the kids are, you know, if they're at my mum's and I'll lie down and read a book or, you know, like I have an app, I do have a meditation app that I sleep with from Insight Timer that I go to bed. But like for me in the mornings, there's no way I'm going to wake up at 5am before my kids and meditate and exercise and have a warm glass of water with, you know, lemon. That's just, I wake up and I'm like, okay, I need coffee. Unrealistic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Give me caffeine. <laughs> but I think with yeah. all of your advice as well, it's kind of like intuitive advice. So when I like, rather than being told I need to wash my hair every three days, when do I feel like my hair is greasy and when do I need to wash it? Like, when do I feel like I can have moments of self-care and taking those as they come and just kind of riding the wave rather than having to be super prescriptive with yourself? Would you say that's your approach? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And a brilliant approach it is. Well, they are the five pieces of advice. And then we finish each episode with a bit of a lighthearted note and chat beauty blunders. Do you have any kind of beauty stories gone wrong that you can share? Oh, look, I think that the number one I've already shared was just my sunbaking as a teenager and in my early 20s down at Bondi Beach, slathering baby oil on, and I'm not proud of it, but I did it in my teens. And, you know, had I known about sun damage and skin cancers and the skin ageing effects, I mean, I probably did know, but I didn't understand just how much damage is done in those early years. You know, the sun damage that's caused when you're young tends to resurface the age of 30 to 35, I'm 34. So pigmentation sunspots is is something that I'm really, I feel quite strongly about. I mean, I was at a, we had our, uh, I was at a, this like a, a club that we go to and there was this young girl, gorgeous young girl. She would have been about 16 in a bikini and she was tanning and she had oil on and she was so red. And it took all my self-control not to walk up to her and say, to go up to her and be like, sun. don't do it. I'm <laughs> someone who's been here. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. She probably got burned the day before. And I was like, Oh, like, you know, so that's the one. And then the classic one that I think everybody who grew up in the nineties and the two thousands did was over plucking of my eyebrows I mean just like absolutely crazy thin eyebrows and now when you're watching like the Pamela Netflix you know and you're seeing her in the 90s with the really thin brows and you're like that's where it came from um yeah I love such a thing (laughs) yeah yeah I was the same with the tanning with the brows but we live and learn right we live and learn Um, yeah yeah Well, thank you so much for coming on, sharing all of your amazing advice and really brilliant tips in there. Yeah. And thank you to everyone for listening as well. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And Jolly, thank you so much for getting up early so that we could connect on the right time zone of Sydney versus London. Absolutely. (laughs) Anytime. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Grazia Beauty Life Lessons with me, Jolie Walker. Please subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And for more amazing beauty tips, take a listen to our archive of episodes with some incredible guests. If you have a moment, we would so, so appreciate if you could leave us a rating and a review. It really makes a difference. See you next time. And before you go, Jolie here with a reminder of our brilliant new Grazia Beauty Club. Subscribe from just $7.99 a month to get a yearly beauty box 
worth over £150, access to exclusive digital events with experts and celebrities, beauty discounts, and so much more. Head to members.graziadaily.co.uk.